Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. This is your host, Deacon Andrew Brazier. Today, we honor the glory of your throne. We honor that you are truly King. Of kings and Lord of lords. And although we set this day aside as Christ the King Sunday to focus on your kingship, the truth is, each and every day, you are king. Each and every day, you sit upon your throne. And each and every day, we should be loyal subjects to you, our king. Not just on this Sunday, not just on Sundays, but each and every day, you are Lord and you are king. Lord, make it so truly in our lives day by day and moment by moment we ask this in jesus name by the power of the holy spirit one god amen Amen. please be seated uncertainty can eat you away not knowing what to expect can be extremely frustrating at times and more often than not uncertainty brings about fear Fear is what might happen. Fear is what could happen. And most people look to the future with uncertain anticipation, not knowing what it might bring. And we know from this year, of all years, how much that uncertainty can be just around the corner. Uncertainty as to what will happen tomorrow. Uncertainty as to what will happen in the midst of a pandemic. But Christians know what the future ultimately will bring. As a matter of fact, it's something that that we look forward to because of our faith. Despite the darkness that surrounds this world and this evil age, we have hope. We have a hope that's based upon the premise and the promise of a Messiah, of Christ. This promise that is given to us from the Messiah from Christ is straightforward and it's backed by the guarantee of the only one to ever predict his own death take it up himself into new life and live forevermore the promise of Jesus the Christ the son of God and the son of man now in our gospel lesson Jesus makes a firm promise he tells us When the Son of Man shall come in His glory. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory. Not if He comes. Not maybe He will come. Not He will come but. But when He will come. Indeed, the Son of Man shall return. And when He does, He promises that along with Him, all His holy angels shall come with Him. And then, then what? He promises without question that then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Now this sounds familiar. And it may sound familiar to you who are familiar with the book of Daniel. 
For the book of Daniel in chapter 7, picking up in verse 13, Daniel tells us, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Amen. Prior to this glorious and long-promised day, our Lord Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, as we recite in the Apostles' Creed. But on this promised day has been prophesied to us, this great day of the Lord, the Lord Jesus shall take His throne and shall, quote, before Him all nations be gathered. It brings to my mind the words of Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 begins with, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? You see, the peoples of this earth, you and I who are not redeemed but are now redeemed, prior to our conversion, our faith in Christ, we once were enemies in rebellion to the true king. I know I've been hitting this theme over and over my past few sermons, but take it to heart that you were born into this world a rebel to the one true God. And what do rebels get? Rebels are executed. They are hung. And yet, what we receive is an offer of grace here and now from Jesus Christ. The son of the king who is going to one day become king, he is offering us the path to redemption. Not that we're owed it. Not that we deserve it. But he is freely stepping down from his royal throne to become a pauper, to die for the rebels that we are, so that we may inherit his kingdom. And not only become his loyal subjects, but even be adopted to be called sons of God. But listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 2. For Psalm 2 asks, why did the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Because the kings of the earth, the dominions in this world, they set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, his Christ in the Greek, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them. This is the Lord speaking to the kings of this earth. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, this is God speaking, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, on my holy hill, Jerusalem, Israel. I will tell the decree, The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. One of the most quoted verses in the New Testament. Now, I dare say it may be the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. You are my son, today I have begotten you. The apostles using this to show that in the Old Testament that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and has always been with the Father. Psalm 2 continues, Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. 
God the Father telling the Son, Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage. And the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Because the truth of the matter is that there is coming a time in which the nations of the earth and the rulers of this world will learn what it means when the psalmist says, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And that's what I want to talk about today. Those who are blessed who take refuge in the Son. Because indeed, according to St. Paul, the rebellious people of the world's nations will see the Christ upon his glorious advent. And those who oppose him will be destroyed. Because St. Paul tells us every ruler and authority and every power will be destroyed and subjected to Christ. For on this glorious day of the Lord, he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep and the goats. That's what this gospel lesson is about. And the question I have is, who do you take refuge in? Do you take refuge as a sheep? Or are you wandering as a goat? Church of the Good Shepherd, I tell you, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords shall separate his sheep. His flock shall be separated from the goats. But fear not, flock of God. For the kingdom that we inherit is, quote, prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Our Lord Jesus tells us this in the gospel lesson. For it's prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Hear me out. Jesus Christ coming into the earth and dying for our sins was not God's backup plan. This was planned from the very foundation of the world. From the very foundation of the cosmos, the Lord knew what he would do in his creation. He knew that he would have to send his son. And the son knew he would have to go and die and redeem us. And this was in his glorious plan to do so. After all, he's the Lamb of God who was slaughtered from the very beginning, the very foundations of the world we hear and we learn in the New Testament. Now the question you should ask yourself, how do I know that I'm one of the sheep? How do I know? Because we're born into this world as ghosts. So how do we know that we are sheep following the good shepherd? Do you trust him? Do you trust in God Almighty? Do you trust in what he's done with Jesus Christ? Do you trust and believe that Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection was for you? That it saves you. It saves me. It changes dead men into beings who live once again. Trust in that faith. That simple muster faith. Muster seed faith that we have. Trust in that belief in him. Trust in His Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Because if you believe truly in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is King and is your King, then you're no longer a rebel to the King. But you've been pardoned and you're now a subject once again. Now we read in today's Gospel lesson something very curious. And I don't know if you noticed this or not. That the sheep, they don't realize that they're serving God. They don't see themselves as even serving Jesus. 
When they're going out to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to take care of the poor, to visit the sick, and yes, even visit those who are imprisoned, all the sheep see are their neighbors, their fellow human beings. But you peel back what you see on the outside, and what do we have? The Imago Dei, the image of God given to us from creation. So when we see our neighbor, we see the image of God himself. And Christ tells us that it's him, the king, is whom we serve when we serve our neighbors. And yet the sheep don't realize that. They ask, when, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you when you were sick or imprisoned? Truly, when you did this to one of the least of these, you did it for me. Who do you serve? Who do you serve? Do you serve the king of kings, the Lord of lords? Or are you serving your vain and your selfish desires, your lusts of the flesh and your passions? Ask yourself this. Seriously, examine yourself. Do you want to serve your king? Or do you even want to have the desire to serve your king? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. The Lord appreciates that honesty. Remember what he did for the father who said that. He healed his child. Do you want to serve your king and serve your neighbor? This is why here at the Church of the Good Shepherd, in order to try in a feeble manner that we can, at the best that we can, and it's nothing but filthy rags at the end of days, we have a focus and a mission to love God by serving our neighbors. It's why we do angel tree, to serve the children of the incarcerated so they can have Christmas, receive a Bible, and hear the gospel. It's why we do the endless food drive and quarterly food drives to try to feed those who are hungry. In this case for Honduras, so desperately hit right now by a hurricane that can't even get basic medical supplies that we conveniently can go to Walgreens, drive by Walmart, pop in and get. We collect glasses and sunglasses for those who cannot see so that the blind may see. And we do it not because we glory in ourselves, because we are servants of the one true king, of the ever-living God. We were purchased at a price that we cannot pay. And we can do nothing else but to serve him forever and ever. And meanwhile, the injustices that are in this world, the evil in this world, will not go unpunished. We don't see justice here and now in this world, but we shall upon his advent. The tragedies of this life do not go unnoticed. After all, we worship the king and the God who came down and was brutally tortured, abused, and then murdered unjustly. And we relish and celebrate the fact that our God came down and became man, unthinkable to the ancient pagans. And not only did he become human, but then he subjected himself to a traitor's death, to being an enemy of the empire that thought it was in control at that time, the Roman Empire. He dies for us. And he dies the death that we should have done. And we are promised justice, not in this life, and not even in the next, but when he comes at the beginning of the new age and returns and heaven and earth are united. And his kingdom 
will have no end. We're promised a righteous judgment in which the sheep and the goats will be separated. And those who have an active and a lively faith that takes care of the needs of God's flocks, they're the ones who will receive their eternal reward. And meanwhile, the tragedy of all tragedy, sin and death, are promised to be swallowed up forever as the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's what St. Paul tells the Corinthians and is telling us today. But woe to those who find themselves on the left of Christ, the goats. What misery shall it be for the goats who never served their fellow man or who ignored the cries of the helpless, the naked, who never visited the sick, never fed the hungry, and never visited, yes, even those who are imprisoned. For the Lord Jesus Christ explains the fate of those who do not believe and have not loved their neighbor. And he says, they shall go into everlasting punishment. This isn't my word. This is the Lord's word and his warning. That they shall go into everlasting punishment. We need to seriously contemplate the status of our souls. We need to, within the depths of our being, consider, are we sheep or are we goats? Do a heart checkup. Look to the status of your own soul. Recall whether you have or are helping to serve your neighbor. Dwell upon your love or your lack thereof for your fellow man. And pray fervently for the Lord to change your stony heart and to give you a fleshy one. Because he will do it. He will answer that prayer. To replace the spirit of Adam that lives within all of us by default with the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, making us to be holy as he is holy. Pray today and tomorrow and forevermore that your life will be severed from the cares of this evil age and directed to the eternal life that is being poured out abundantly, poured out abundantly upon you so that your cup runneth over, as the psalmist says, here and now in this life. Now this the season of Trinity time, the season of after Pentecost, it's coming to an end. This season, which is after Easter and after Pentecost, was meant to shape our desires and mold our hearts towards holiness, or at least expose our need for such. And we end this season with great anticipation and a somber season of Advent. The world wants to go ahead and rejoice for Christmas. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not going to be a Puritan and say, we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas right now. The, the world needs to see the light of the world. But just know this, that while the world is saying it's Christmas time, the world has forgotten what it's even saying, that Christmas is Christ's Mass. The world skips Advent and goes to Christmas. And Lord knows we need Christmas in this world. The world needs to know that it needs a Savior. It needs the baby in the manger. For us as Christians, I don't say this to be haughty and to say go around correcting everyone. I'm saying it for those of us who are in the body of Christ to remember Christmas isn't here yet. Not for us. We are entering into the season of Advent to prepare for the Advent that is coming. We look back to the one has already come where he became human. He took on flesh so that he will die for us. But we also are preparing ourselves this month for the Advent that's coming. That's very real. The return of the king. We are awaiting the return of the king and the breaking forth of heaven upon earth. The breaking forth of God's kingdom into this world. So let this last week of Trinity Tide 
be a season of self-examination, of commitment to holiness, and a true thanksgiving, a true thanksgiving for what Christ is doing within our very lives and within our very bodies this day and forevermore. Let us keep a holy advent together by serving our God and our fellow man. That's why we give gifts at Christmas. That's why we emphasize charity during Advent. To remind ourselves, we're not here to serve ourselves. We are here to serve others and to be the light of the world. And if Christ has lit a fire within you, why do you hide it underneath the nightstand where no one can see it? Christ tells us, place it upon the lampstand so it lights up the room. We can't light up the world, but Christ, who is the light of the world, has put a small fire between you and me. And together, serving his purposes and doing his will, we can set the world on fire. We don't have to worry about setting the world on fire, because it's not our jobs, it's our Lord who has done it, has given us the Spirit to set the world ablaze. But our job, to do our duty, to serve our King, is in each of the lives we live in, where we are at at any given moment, to ask, how do I fulfill the great commandment? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And the second is likened to it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. If you don't want to heed my words, and I ask that you heed the words of Bishop J.C. Rawl from his book, Holiness. He writes, in conclusion, let every reader of this paper think seriously whether his religion costs him anything at present. Very likely it costs you nothing. Very probably, it neither costs you any trouble, or any time, or thought, or care, or pains, or reading, or praying, or self-denial, or conflict, or working, or labor of any kind. Now mark what I say. Such a religion as this will never save your soul. It will never give you peace while you live, nor hope when you die. It will not support you in the day of affliction, nor cheer you in the hour of death. A religion which costs nothing is worth nothing. Awake before it's too late. Awake and repent. Awake and be converted. Awake and believe. Awake and pray. Rest not till you can give a satisfactory answer to my question. What does it cost? What does it cost? People of Good Shepherd, listen to the word of God. Listen to the Good Shepherd as he is calling forth his sheep. He is calling forth his flock to come home to a kingdom. And the sheep know his voice. Do you know his voice? Have you opened up his word to hear his voice? Like the parable from Sunday ago, are your candles filled with oil? Are you ready for the advent of the bridegroom? Have you been good stewards with the deposit of faith he entrusted with you? Or have you taken that good news and buried it in your backyard? Are you bearing fruit or simply taking up space, ready to be pruned and cast into the fire for not producing any fruit? May God continue to have mercy upon us, to pour out his spirit upon us and motivate us from being lazy sinners to walking in the way that he has prepared for us to walk in, to heed the call of the gospel and to deliver the gospel to those who are desperately in need. 
to love others so that they may see the light of the world and they may bear the light of the world, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he bore his cross for our salvation. We cannot obtain it. We cannot reach up to heaven and grab it. It took the Son of God to descend from heaven and to do it for us and to bear the cross for our own sins. But after our Lord did so, nay, before he even did so, he told us and he warned us. He told his disciples he was going to the cross. He told them that he was going to redeem them and save them from their sins. And although he bears the cross for our salvation, he then turns to us as newly freed subjects of the king. And he says to us, take up your cross daily. Will you take up your cross and follow him? Let us get to work. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our 